0: And now, back to Answers for Elders, as we honor our military veterans. Carriage is the proud sponsor of our veterans segment, hosted by former Seattle Seahawk, Dennis Boyd. Good morning. This is Dennis Boyd here at Patriots Landing in DuPont, Washington. We're here today with Cassandra Peets, uh, Private First Class, uh, now retired uh, U.S. Army. Cassandra, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Cassandra, tell me a little bit about uh, you... Joined the army at a very pretty young age, didn't you?
1: Yes, I was seventeen years old.
0: Okay, and where were you?
1: I was in New Hampshire.
0: Okay, and there. what, uh, what was the uh, the spark or that got you interested in, in joining the U- uh, the U.S. Army?
1: Um, I was in ROTC in high school, okay. and we had gone to an Armed Forces Day to do a color guard presentation, and I had met uh, an Army recruiter, mm-hmm. and. I didn't know what I wanted to do after high school, but I knew that I didn't want to do any more schooling. So I had met this recruiter, and he had sparked my interest because in the Army, you could do whatever you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So um, I met this recruiter. I went home and told my parents, I'm going to join the Army. First thing my dad said to me was, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) My mom's like, you can do whatever you want to do. When you get older, it doesn't matter to me. So when my 17th birthday rolled around, um, both my parents signed my papers so that I could join the U S army and I went to MEPs in Boston, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually had to go three times, um, because they wanted to make sure that I could finish my junior year of high school before I got shipped to basic training Um, I did end up leaving before my senior year was over. So I basically got to finish high school with all the seniors that year. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went to basic between my junior and senior year of high school in 2001. Um, I graduated from basic on August 31st, 2001. And the number one thing that sticks in my head always is the drill sergeant said to us on the bus ride back to the barracks was, 90% of you will not see war in your military career. And 11 days later, they hit the World Trade Centers. Mm. So I keep thinking in my head that he regrets those words that he said to all of us.
0: Yeah. I, things changed a little bit at yes, that point, didn't they? they did. So what happened to you after that?
1: Um, I went back to New Hampshire and finished my senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the only student in the high school allowed to carry my cell phone um, because I was in an active reserve unit mm-hmm. and could get a phone call at any time. Um, I remember my cell phone rang in first period, and my entire class turned green. It was my first sergeant who called and told me to have my bags packed and be ready to go to New York Mm -hmm. because I was in a detachment for a combat support hospital. Okay. Um, They decided not to take me. They took the main part of the combat support hospital, and certain people from our detachment in Vermont and certain people from... um, a detachment in upstate New York and brought them down to New York city mm-hmm. to help the people that were responding to the World trade centers and to treat the people that were, they were taking out of the world trade centers.
0: Wow. This, uh, recent train derailment that mm-hmm. we had must've been a little bit of a flashback then. Huh?
1: It was interesting. Um, I guess I'm somebody who's, Always has a plan. Mm-hmm. So even when things happen, I always am quick to have a plan mm-hmm. of what to do, what What are the first things you have to do. So I guess I've always been calm, cool, and collective under pressure. Yeah. Um, one thing that I tell all the other managers here, we used to have Francine who ran activities, and she'd be like, I have a problem, I have a problem. And it's like, well, you can't go to the boss with a problem. You have to go to the boss with here's the problem, but here's my solution. Mm -hmm. So you can't just go, here's the problem. You need to have your solution when you go. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that I guess I bring to the table here. Yes. So that's just the way, and I guess it's probably because both of my parents were first responders. Uh. When I was young, Mm -hmm. I was the little kid that was running around the fire station in the middle of the night (laughs) when mom and dad responded to the fire or to the car accident or Mm-hmm. whatever happened yeah
0: so uh you actually you were in reserve then from uh till 2002 yes when correct? i graduated and then right and then you went into active duty then correct? i went
1: to my ait um which was my job training for the army mm-hmm. and when i got back i i enlisted for active duty
0: okay and where were you stationed then fort lewis fort lewis okay mm-hmm. So, and and what were you doing here at Fort Lewis then, for those two years?
1: I was when I first got to Fort Lewis. I was attached to Five Fourteenth Ground Ambulance Company. Okay, I was at Five Fourteenth for twenty nine days before we left to go to Iraq.
0: Mm. Okay, so <laughs> it just, was a very quick, I, um,
1: here's Fort Lewis, here's what you need to know, pack your bags, we're going to Iraq. <laughs> wow,
0: things happen a little quickly. Yes. Yes. So tell me about, okay, what happened once you got over to Iraq then? what? Uh,
1: uh, once we got over to Iraq, we moved to um, a place called Q West. It was about an hour south of Mosul, which is the northernmost spot where we had American troops at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, because I was a patient administrative specialist, I was basically a number for them to deploy. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked in a treatment tent. Um, while I was there, we had we were attached. We didn't technically have attachment orders to the 101st Airborne. We had them before we left the United States, but didn't have them once we got there. And then they tried to get them back for us. Um, but we worked with them. Um, I was in a treatment tent that was like a sick hall. For the 101st Airborne Soldiers, um, there were two squads of our ground ambulance company that was on that section of the airfield with me. We uh, had a FAST team out of Fort Bragg that worked in the back of the hangar, so if somebody needed surgery or something that couldn't wait to get up north to the combat support hospital, we were able to provide it for them there. We had an X-ray tent and a little... um, I guess a, we had an x-ray tent. I believe we had a dental cleaning tent for your teeth. Then we had the sick call tent and mm-hmm. then we had the, um, surgical tent in the back.
0: Wow! In talking to some of the other, uh, the women here that were nurses in Vietnam and Korea, mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear how the response and how the military is keeps modifying and changing and improving mm-hmm. how they respond to, uh, to wounded soldiers. And it sounds like it's just, it keeps, getting more and more that they get treatment as quickly as they possibly can then. Yes. So you're here now at Patriot's Landing. Yes. Tell me about your uh, what you do here.
1: Um, I have been at Patriot's Landing for 12 years in May. Wow. Yes.
0: Obviously, it's something you enjoy doing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I thoroughly enjoy my residence. Yeah. Um, they are the number one reason that I'm still here. hmm um, I started out as a housekeeper, mm-hmm. um, and now I am the environmental service director. So I run both housekeeping and maintenance. Um, so my job changes on a daily, hourly basis.
0: Well, you've done everything uh, from the twelve days of goodness that we had down here of setting up everything and making sure that we were well taken care of and that uh, things flowed smoothly and. Mm-hmm to I see you constantly around the facility here just making sure everything's functioning and that the keeping the residents safe. Yes. You know, and just uh from, you know, just your ordinary everyday uh type of obstacles that can get in the way. Mm-hmm. So uh appreciate that and I truly do when I see the residents and how they they light up when you walk around because <laughs> they they actually they truly love having you here. And I think that uh you and uh, I've spoken to other veterans about the uh, the bond that's made from and it and it's even a generational thing mm-hmm. from the fact that you've served means a lot to them yes and uh and and served i mean and to a point where you were up there you were our front line uh in the iraq war mm-hmm. and in in two thousand and two three. Three, three excuse me yes. and uh So that we appreciate. So one of the questions that we ask people, Mm -hmm. and this can apply either to here, working here at Patriots Landing, or uh, during your time of service, is we're asking people, you know, for the best of times, what were some of the best memories that you had, and then some of the the more difficult memories?
1: So I was a newbie. I have one for both, actually. I was a newbie to my unit before we deployed to Iraq. Mm -hmm. There was 70... 72 people in my unit that deployed Mm -hmm. and there were split exactly we had exactly the same number of men and exactly the same number of women in Mm -hmm. our unit it didn't matter if you were white orange black blue green whatever if we stopped on the side of the road and had to pull security the iraqi people thought that women were in the military to pleasure the men so Mm -hmm. when we first got over there So if we stopped on the side of the road and they started to approach us, all the guys would step in front of us. If we were hanging out in a tent when we came back to Kuwait to get ready to come home and one of us looked like we were having a bad day or we were missing home or something like that, the guys or the girls, no matter what, they would do something to lift our spirits. Mm -hmm. Um, If somebody was missing their kids or their wife or whatever, somebody would... Sit down and have a conversation with them, or mm-hmm. it just everybody, it was like a family. Yeah. Like, you weren't just a bunch of people that were put in a unit to go somewhere and do things. We were all a family. Mm-hmm. We're all a good majority of us are friends on Facebook. Um, I still have my old commander, my old first sergeant, who both retired in the last year mm-hmm. on my Facebook. They That's wish right. me a happy birthday. My old XO, <laughs> I wish them a happy birthday. Yeah. So it's if something's going on in our lives, they reach out and say, hey. And I wasn't in that unit very long. When I got back, I got transferred to a different one. So okay. I basically was in the unit just to deploy. Mm-hmm. But I still have the connection with those people because we deployed.
0: Yeah. So that, You make a very strong bond when yes. you go through very difficult times together. Mm-hmm. That's great. Cassandra, thank you. Thank I want to you. appreciate that. I wish we had more time, but uh, as, uh, as the radios go, that they have, we are have allotted a certain amount of time. But it's been a pleasure uh, to know you and to see how you work here at Patriots Landing and then to hear your story of one of the more recent veterans. This has been a special honoring veterans presentation of Answers for Elders brought to you by Carriage. For more information about Carriage, the website is C-A-R-E-A-G-E dot Hey everybody, Jared Sebasti, host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change, in fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurpose on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.